Well, good morning, everybody. I'm so glad that you're here. This is such a weird, unusual day, but I think you're going to love what we've got for you. I want to say hi to all my friends that are watching online. We have great friends in Little Rock, and Deanie is up in Fayetteville, and uh, my mom always watches from Maryland. We have people all around the world watching today. <clears throat> I want to say hi to all those folks at our West End campus. If you're there, go by and see Abe. He'd love to see you today. He'd love to say hi. And then our new guy, a uh, relatively new guy now, Chad Harold is at the Missouri City campus. And if you're visiting there at Missouri City, would you please go by and see Chad? He'd love to meet you. He doesn't know very many people still, so he'd love to know you. Well, I hope you're doing great on this hot July day. Uh, we're, we, we are in Las Vegas, Nevada, believe it or not. We started planning this series on temptation months and months ago, and we decided what better place than Sin City to come. And so I'm so grateful for a Missouri City um, uh, a member, uh, Richard, and his wife, Terry, who used to live in Vegas, and they went to the church called the Crossing Church. And so we started talking about coming out here. Richard hooked us up with uh, the staff here, and the pastor here is a guy named Shane Phillip, and Shane and their team has been nothing but incredibly great hosts for us, so we can record from here and show you a little bit Vegas. Hopefully it makes sense in light of this um, in light of this sermon series. Now, my wife and I, Lisa, have been coming to Vegas for years. I like the golf. She likes the pools, the shopping. It's been great. Vegas is one of those unusual things where millions and millions of people come uh, every year and you can get whatever you want to from this city. And, um, and so we thought it was a perfect place to kind of set up this idea because there's slogans. You've heard them. You've heard these slogans. What happens in Vegas? stays in Vegas. That's right. We're finding that not to be true. And then this idea of sin city. So as we talk about temptation in this series, and we're trying to figure out how to overcome temptation, how to live sort of in this idea of being obedient to what God's asked us to do, how do you do that? So what we did is we went out on the streets of Las Vegas, we, we went around, we started talking to people. Most nobody was from Vegas that we talked to. Everybody was visiting from the city and it's a wild, wild place. So to set the stage for temptation, watch some of this footage that we gathered in Las Vegas. Where are you from? Indiana. So what brings you to Vegas? My birthday. Uh, so what kind of crazy things happens on your birthday? I don't remember. Do you think people come to Vegas and do things they normally wouldn't do back in Indiana or other places they live? Oh, yeah, especially from Indiana. Well, the saying is what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Do you think that's true? I think a lot of stuff does stay here. I, there's all kinds of craziness that go on down here. you think people go home with some regrets? I think temptation can bring temporary happiness. I don't know if it's always permanent happiness um, just because the temptation isn't supposed to be something negative so it could bring you like all right I'm gonna be for example like drinking you're gonna be feeling good for a couple few hours but then the next day you have a hangover that you have to deal with you know what I mean I want to see the world I rather there's so much more than Vegas uh, I mean I guess it depends on how far you're willing to go while you're in Vegas but I feel like I'm be willing to share my stories when I leave this place so you think there's more temptation in Vegas than there is in Spokane Washington no not really, honestly. It, you come here because you want to go, let go and enjoy yourself, right? So I feel like it's, it's more that you come here to enjoy yourself and less that the temptation is here more than other places. 
the people build the the hotels and casinos because people come here, you know. So and not uh, people obviously don't build it in Spokane because people don't go there. All the parties, all the like, all the, all the casinos. Everyone's here for fun. So one hundred percent, way more temptation here than anywhere else. Especially because like people come from all around the world, so you can meet anyone and from anywhere here. Can you believe this? It's amazing. Ha! Welcome to Las Vegas. How's it going? Hey, we're here on Fremont Street talking about Sin City. I feel like people just know it as a place where you can just do whatever and just accept it. and No regrets. You came to visit your grandparents. Where are they? They are... Um... Probably sleeping. Yeah. yeah. I feel like people just kind of know that there's a time and a place for everything. I mean, well, some people know, and some people don't, honestly. That's really what it is. Bad decision making. They they don't know what temptation is. No, that's, don't come to Vegas if you're struggling with temptation. Don't do it. Not at all. If not you can't uphold yourself to resist temptation, don't come to Vegas. Because yeah. yeah. there's so many people enjoying their lives. Living up their temptations the and then... <laughs> people are having their best lives out here. There's right. also people having their worst lives out here also. It's being able to wake up every single day, taking another breath. That's my happiness. I mean, you can't be selfish with your life. You just gotta live it. Okay, yeah, so our policy, I mean, I have to go based on this. Your permit's valid, it's just the date. Yeah, we definitely have a permit, so... Give me a second. You guys just wait right here for a second. Yeah, yeah. Well, we had a lot of fun out there. And as you can see, everybody feels like they're doing a pretty good job with temptation. Some people have just totally, completely lost their minds. But uh, there wasn't really any clear, clear answers there. Vegas is the kind of place where you can uh, really just lose your mind or, or figure out really who you are. Well, Jesus talked a lot about overcoming temptation. In fact, when we were in the book of James just a few months ago, we talked about James's brother addressing some difficult things. This is one of the passages we skipped so we can come back to it in the series. Here's what James chapter one, verse 13 says. It says, when tempted. So first, let's just start with that. When tempted, that means temptation is going to come, right? Temptation for all of us. What is temptation? As you've heard over the last couple of weeks, you know, Ryan and Chad have explained it in many different ways, but temptation is that pull for us to cross some boundary, whether it's a boundary we've made or a boundary we believe God has made for us. So this is coming for all of us when tempted, okay? James says, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Go on, it says this. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. One more slide. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Let's go back to the very first part of that verse. Verse uh, 13, I believe it is. It says this, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been in ministry for a long time, and I don't know if you've ever done this, but I've heard a lot of people blame God 
for the temptations that they've fallen into. I've heard men and women explaining an adulterous affair um, by saying something like, doesn't God want me to be happy? And another person I remember saying, well, I prayed about this and God did not stop me. Now, the reality is God, through James here, is trying to get us to take responsibility for our behavior, for our choices. That temptation's a powerful thing, but let's not blame God. In fact, if you read the book of James, which I ask you to do, then you'll notice the next passage of scripture says, every perfect gift comes from God. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. But blaming others, especially God, is not new. In fact, in the Garden of Eden, Adam blamed God. If you remember that story, when God asked him about, did you eat the apple? Did you eat the fruit that was forbidden? He said, Adam replies, the woman that you gave me kind of made me eat. And there's something about a defensive nature in all of us that wants us to blame other people when it comes to our mistakes. And James is saying here, if you're gonna overcome temptation, you've gotta take responsibility for your choices. You've gotta do this because there's nothing evil about God. God would never tempt you to do evil. There's no evil in God. God's nothing but good. So this is the idea. And then goes on. Let's go to the next slide. It says, each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. This luring of away, this, this uh, enticement, it's like a trap. It's like being dragged away to a trap. That there's something so appetizing that you ignore the boundaries. And so James pinpoints the problem here that if we're gonna really overcome temptation, it's about our desires. Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their desire. It's about desire. Then, here goes on, then after desire has conceived, after like you have this, it starts with a thought, then a thought gives birth to a desire, and desire is this compulsion to move forward in this direction, and then that desire gives birth to sin. You've crossed a boundary. Sin, quite simply, means missing the mark. So there's a mark out there that you've placed, that God's placed for you, and for whatever reason, you've missed the mark because of a desire that started with a thought. And when that has full grown, sin gives birth to death. Now, one of the things you should have heard in the last few weeks of the series is this. Sin is always destructive. I mean, I know we like to talk about little sins and big sins and all that stuff, but sin is always destructive. And God's not trying to get us just to be good boys and girls and get us to behave and get us to come to a place in life where we obey all the rules and aren't we good soldiers and aren't we good children? No, God's trying to provide for us a life that we really want. And these boundaries are to protect us and help us because he doesn't want things to be destroyed or death to occur to our relationships and to our happiness and to our life. In fact, Jesus talked about this when it said about, about uh, John chapter 10, verse 10. It says that the thief comes to only kill and destroy, but Jesus says, I've come to give you life. 
and give it to you to its full. Here's the thing that we found out. As we talk to people in Vegas, it's the same with you and me. We're all pursuing happiness. We're all pursuing happiness. And the primary way you and I lose our way and fall into temptation or decide to run into temptation is that we have this desire. You know, there's something unique about all of us as humans. We have the ability to, uh, uh, to have an imagination that creates an illusion. And that illusion creates a picture that we can come, become convinced of is real. So we have this imagination, and then we create this illusion, and then we have the ability, it's unique to humans, to create this illusion that's so powerful in our life that we are convinced that it's real. Listen, we're all pursuing happiness. Nobody here, nobody here wants to be unhappy. Nobody's signing up for that life. The question is, since we're all pursuing happiness, is what is the best strategy to obtain a happy, peaceful, contented life? We create these ideas that we believe are gonna make us happy. That's what happens. In fact, Romans 8, 6 says it this way. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. So Paul the apostle saying this to us. He's saying, look, start with your thoughts, your mind, because if you don't capture those thoughts and those mind, and we'll talk about that again in just a second, then all of a sudden these thoughts turn into this illusion that becomes a compulsion, that becomes a desire that sets our feet forward and we do something that we regret. I can tell you the truth, talking to a lot of people around town here this last week, is what happens in Vegas doesn't stay in Vegas. And what happens in secret in your life doesn't stay a secret. So the battle that we're in is a battle of the mind. It's a battle of the mind. In fact, the way Eve was uh, deceived is the, the serpent, the evil one, began to have her question what God had said. Now, God clearly said, you can eat from any tree in the garden, but don't eat from this one. So when, when, when we're being tempted, the, the, the story goes is that the devil brought up a question. Did God really say that? Then he put into question this idea that God is trustworthy because he says to Eve, you won't surely die if you eat that. I know God said that you'd die, but you won't surely die. See, this desire gives birth to something that's so destructive in our hearts. Now, I'm an old guy, and there's a famous uh, kind of um, actor by the name of Woody Allen. Most people have heard of him, but don't know about him. Well, you may not know this, but Woody Allen ended up marrying his adopted stepdaughter. It's kind of a famous story. It kind of makes you just feel weird, doesn't it? Just like he did that. When, when Woody Allen was pressed on that, he, and, and ask, is this right? Was there some line crossed here? I mean, I mean, it's just strange to think about. Woody Allen says it this way. He says, the heart wants what the heart wants. 
And so if you don't have your desires and your thoughts in check, you're gonna do whatever you determine or whatever illusion you've created or I've created that we believe is gonna make us happy. And let me just remind you what James says. He says this, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. You see, we create these illusions, and, and the, the truth is, um, we, we, we come to a place where we believe we know how to make ourselves happy. The battle over temptation is the battle of your thoughts. And if you don't grab control of your thoughts, right, then all of a sudden, you're gonna just, whatever you think is true, you're going to believe is true. I do the same thing. And we're gonna pursue this as a way to make us happy. The battle of temptation is with your thoughts. This is why I stress, and all of, all of our pastors stress, be reading your Bible. Listen, you, you can't create truth, but you can discover it. And God is the author and perfecter of our faith, and he does that through his truth. So find your Bible. Pick up a Bible. Take a Bible from the church. Uh, in fact, we have Bibles out in the lobby of all three of our campuses, and we don't prosecute shoplifters, okay? So just take a Bible. Get in the Bible. Get in a small group. Because if, if you don't have a source of truth that's larger, bigger, and, and more credible than your own source of truth, then you're just gonna create your own path toward happiness. Now remember this, our strongest desires are rarely our deepest desires. Because I know if, if you share my deepest desire, I, I, I desire to have a life that honors God. I, I want the life that God has designed for me. I don't want that every day, but consistently now, I want that. That's my deepest desire. But there's these strong desires that come about in my life, <clears throat> and they're rarely my deepest desires. So the idea in overcoming temptation is to let your deepest desires surface. That's why being a reactionary, like if you think it and you want it to go get it, that is a disastrous recipe for your life. But for, for God's people, what he says is, man, as you have these compulsions or if, as you want to move forward in a certain direction, man, sit on it for a minute. Take a deep breath. Pray. Seek wise counsel. Move slowly. Because God has given each of us a free will. And if you wanna make these choices to go your own way, he'll let you do that. But what brings God a great sense of joy is when we trust him enough, even with our happiness. You know, temptation is the belief that we're gonna be able to make ourselves happy. That's a lie. I know you think, I think from time, I know what will make me happy. But God created each of us. And he knows how we work. And he knows what makes us happy. There's a famous uh, Spanish priest uh, by the name of Ignatius. And Ignatius of Loyola said this. He said, sin is the unwillingness to trust that what God wants for me is only my deepest happiness. I, I don't know about you, but 
it's hard for me to believe that God wants my happiness more than I want my happiness. But that's the truth. God does want my happiness more than, he built me for joy, for happiness. He just knows where I should find it. So our unwillingness to believe that God wants my deepest happiness, as Ignatius has said here, puts us on a path of designing and defining our own source of happiness. This is where regret comes in. This is where we feel entitled to let our hair down, to go our own way. This is where we say things like this, I'll be happier if I get a divorce. I'll be happier if I have an affair. I'd be happier if I had more money. I'd be happier if I just went and let my hair down for a while and did whatever I wanted to do. That, see, that's the lie. Because we believe, at least I believe, you probably got it all together, but for me, I believe that from time to time, I give myself permission to do whatever I want to, believing I know best. But following after Jesus allows us to surrender our desires, knowing that our heavenly Father wants us to be happy. In fact, he, he built us for joy and happiness and contentment and peace. And he wants us to experience that. And I'm just gonna tell you, because your friends need to tell you hard things. You don't really know what makes you happy. You just know what gives you a thrill from time to time. Only God knows the deepest parts of your life, the healing that is needed, the joy that can be found in a relationship with him, the joy that can be found in a reconciled relationship with others, the joy that can be found in being a faithful follower of God, that's, that's where the joy comes from. But that's not the way this world thinks. And this is your choice. Paul talks about it in Romans. He says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer. That means to present. That means to surrender. Offer your bodies, your lives, as living sacrifices. Like, as I live in this world, this is how I'm gonna live my life. And I'm gonna offer my life to God, believing he knows best for my life. Believing that he knows what makes me happy. And I'm a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is the proper worship, or this is the proper worship. Like, okay, God, you're worth this. You built me. I'm gonna acknowledge that, and I'm going to give you my life. The next verse says this. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Let's say that out loud together. Everybody, all three campuses, West End, Missouri City, online even at home, and right here at Richmond, here we go. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. What a warning, what a warning. But be transformed by thinking differently, by renewing your mind. It goes on. Then you'll be able to have test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. God's perfect and pleasing will is for us to surrender our lives to him, to not be the captain of your own ship. We live in a fallen world and we have fallen desires and we have this powerful ability to create an illusion that's so compelling that we believe it's true even though we discover much later it wasn't true at all. That relationship didn't make you happy. That money didn't make you happy. That experience didn't make you happy. 
You're just chasing after more, after more, after more. So we can't abandon the idea that our creator knows best. There's this higher truth, a, a higher calling, the, a life that's more eternal. The pattern of this world is follow your own heart and you do you and you have your own truth and you just do it, right? Speak your truth. All these things that, that say be true to yourself. But when Jesus came, he came to provide us the ability to surrender our lives to him. To say, and it takes humility to do this, God, you know best for me. Happiness is going to come from you. The good life that we all want is not getting what you want. It's not becoming the kind of, it's, it's not you know, obtaining or having or experiencing. That's not the good life. The good life is being correctly connected to the one who created life. The one who really understands truly good things. The one who can take all your shame and all your guilt from all those mistakes when we fell into temptation and we sinned and it destroyed something in our souls. It destroyed something in our lives. God can heal all that. Jesus can come to a place in your life if you'll surrender to him where he says, I'm not gonna be self focused anymore. I'm not going to be the authority of my life. That's the way it is in the Western culture. I'm going to let God be the authority in my life. So if we're going to be effective in this war of the mind, if we're going to be effective in overcoming temptation, then we have to understand God's supreme role in your life, that we're new beginnings. In fact, Paul talks about it in Corinthians. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that we are a new creation, and new, a new creation has come. The old has gone, and the new is here. So today can be a brand new beginning for you. That you come to a place in your life where you ask Christ to forgive you, and you place Christ in the authority leadership role in your life. You repent. Repentance, quite frankly, just means renewing your mind or changing your thinking. And you turn from being self-focused to being Jesus-focused. This is why Jesus asked us to pick up our cross and walk, to submit and surrender to him because he has your deepest happiness at heart. I wonder, like a good father, if he just shakes his head at our attempts to make ourselves Happy. I remember raising our children, and as our teenagers got up, it's funny, as our teenagers got into high school, Lisa and I became the dumbest people in the world. We, we couldn't say anything that was right. And when your children get to a certain age, you can't prevent them from doing stupid stuff. And you just kind of sit back and watch with like, oh, why are you doing this to yourself? I, I think of that feeling. I remember that feeling as a parent shaking my head going, why do you keep doing this? And the reason our children, the reason I, when I was in high school and beyond, made these choices in my life because I thought at some point I could make these choices to make me happy. And then I was the captain of my own ship and I could do whatever I wanted. So, Here's the decision you need to make today. Who's better capable of making you happy, you or God? Here's a harder question. Who's in charge of your life? 
See, if, if you don't get into this battle, the battle for your soul, the battle for your life, the battle for your happiness, then you're gonna either change the rules and say, nothing I do is sinful, there is no such thing as a line that I'm crossing, or you explain it away, or you blame others, but God doesn't want any of that for you. He doesn't want you to, he says it this way, he doesn't want you to be a slave to sin. He wants you to truly be free. Here's the last verse, John 8, it says this. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, again, there it is. Pick up your Bible, start in the book of John, start reading this thing, right? If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth. And here's the famous line, and the truth will set you free. The truth, freedom is not doing whatever you want. Freedom is being able to do what you don't want to do. And Jesus sets us free with his truth. So I pray you can overcome temptation in your pursuit of happiness, believing that Jesus Christ wants you to be happy. And God knows how to make you happy. So surrender your life to him. Don't pursue it on your own. Let's close in a word of prayer. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you for the truth and that truth that sets us free. And we just confess our sin, that we are independent people, believing in our arrogance that we know what's best. And so we're confronted with the fact that every time we do that, somewhere down the way, our life comes off the rails and we find ourselves in a place we don't wanna be. And I know many people here watching either on our campuses or online, man, they feel overwhelming sense of shame and guilt. And today I pray you would relieve that. And if that's you, if you'll just give your life to Christ today, surrender your life to Christ. Say, God, forgive me. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins, was buried and rose again. I wanna follow you. Take yourself as you pray right now, take yourself off the authority place in your life, the central figure of your life, and let God be the authority in your life and just surrender to him, believing that he wants your deepest happiness. Father, thank you for being so concerned about our sense of joy and peace and contentment and happiness. May we trust you with that. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.